Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and educate those that maybe are not like me. (laughs) I want to talk but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2021. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations and have some awesome rewards and gifts for those of you who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. On today's episode, we have Joshua Broom, who used to be in the adult entertainment industry and is now a pastor at Known. How are you doing, Joshua? I'm doing really well, man. It's it's really great to sit here and talk with you. I'm super excited. Okay, so let's get yeah. right into it because like I believe this like interview is gonna be so cool and just sharing our experiences is I, I think it's gonna like bring so much knowledge and wisdom to so many people who are listening. So yeah. all right, okay. So you were in the adult entertainment industry. Tell me a little bit about how you even got in there. Like at what age, like what what made you want to get into porn? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I never like really like planned on getting into it. That was, it was never anything that I even thought about. I didn't think that, you know, I definitely like watched it like when I was a teenager, but I, I never said, Hey, you know, this is what I want to do. But I dropped out of college my sophomore year and I moved to LA because I thought, Hey, you know, I was having a lot of success modeling. I started modeling when I was like 14 or 15 and I was like, Hey, how hard, could it be to make it in LA? You know, like, you know, what, why would it be tough? <laughs> <But> <laughs> I was, you know, just, uh, just foolish, but, um, yeah, I, I moved out to LA and I was, I was having some success. I had, you know, multiple agents and, um, I was doing okay. I was doing a little bit of acting, um, more so like indie films and like, um, you know, you have your, you have your A, your A films, your B films, and I, the stuff I was doing was like C minus, you know, <laughs> but it was, you know, I was working and I, and I was doing what I, what I went there to do, but, uh, I was very irresponsible and I lived far beyond my means. So, you know, when I would make money, I would, you know, I would party and I would spend it. And, um, I found myself needing a consistent stream of, uh, income. So I started working at this bar that a lot of my friends was working at in West Hollywood. And while I was there, I met a group of girls and they were like, Hey, uh, you ever thought about being an actor? I was like, well, actually I am an actor, <laughs> but they were talking <laughs> about, they were talking, they were talking about adult film. So the, the adult film industry. And I was like, I guess, I mean, I've never thought about that. I mean, I've, I've watched that. I never thought about doing it, but they were like, Hey, do you want to meet our agent? We can introduce you to our agent. And I thought for sure that meeting a porn agent would look like, like going to like a super eight and it'd be like super sketchy, 
but I go into this, like, you know, this, this giant duplex where there's like, you know, bins and beamers and just like every, like this, like separate garage. And we go up this elevator and we walk down this hallway and there's this guy sitting in this giant office and he's got like a three piece, like Gucci suit on. Yeah. Super legit. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, Whoa. And, um, he's like, well, if you can do the job, there's not a lot, there's not a ton of good looking guys who are currently working in the industry that have any acting experience. So if you, if you can bring your acting experience to the table and you can do the job, you can be as successful and as famous as you want. And it would, it just all like seemed so bizarre. It didn't seem real, but I, I said, okay. And then, you know, the, the way it works is you, if you want to work in the adult film industry uh, for, for consistency purposes, there's uh, ultimately like a lab that is in, you know, in, in the studio city area and you go there and you get a full panel STD test and uh, you take a blood test and you get an AIDS test and that comes back clean. Then you are, you know, you have a, a window of two weeks where you can work. And I did that and I went and I showed up and I, I thought that, again, I thought this was going to be like a weird, like sketchy experience where they're like, Hey, you know, take this camera and go do this. And I, and I walked onto the set that was just as big or bigger than some of the, the, the modeling or, you know, the, the film sets that I've been on, you know, there's yeah. multiple, multiple cameras in a giant studio and you know, there's a sound guy and, 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 you know, full like lighting setup and there's a PA and there's all this stuff. And it just, Honestly, I can't, I can remember like the moments leading up to it, but I don't really remember like what happened, like what happened, but I remember it, it happened and it went well. And that kind of changed the trajectory of the next five years of my life. Wow. That's crazy. So you started at what age? I was 22, 22 or 23. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> 22 yeah. is like when I first was born again, after like yeah. everything that I had gone through. So we yeah. kind of have that like similarly, um, we have those experiences where, I mean, I never got into the porn, uh, but definitely if I would have stayed within that lifestyle and the, um, uh, I guess like stripping lifestyle, I probably right. would have ended up in there because, you know, it's, it's all about money. It's all about like, oh, you know, you start off in like one area <laughs> where you're making probably maybe I don't know, uh, 50 bucks a night, you know, stripping at a gay club or something. And then they're like, oh, if you do an all naked, you know, a party, then you'll get this amount of money. And then it's like, oh, if you, if you do a film, like it's like selling your soul, you know, it's like, you'll get more and more and more amount of money. It's insane. Yeah. I I think that's, that's a really, that's a really important point. And it's just true. Like when you blur the lines of how much you're willing to compromise, Mm -hmm you start like you become numb to that reality. Like that, like, you know, you, everyone has like a boundary, like something I was talking about um, recently was like a no list. And like, we can get into that if you want, but like, mm-hmm. you know, things that you will do and things that you won't do, but like everyone has like boundaries in their life. Yeah. And when you, when you start to exceed those boundaries, all of a sudden, the more you're willing to make compromises, um, the more likely you are willing to, compromise further and further and further and all of a sudden you're just like um i don't really have boundaries Mm. yeah man that's unfortunate i mean i think for me like definitely one of the reasons why i got into it was to make money and then also just because um 
I, I wanted to meet people. I wanted to make friends. Like uh, I was, I was brand new in New York city. So I, I didn't yeah. know anyone. And I talk about this on my testimony, um, which is up on YouTube if you guys want to watch it. Um, but Joshua, did you, did you know a lot of people like moving from LA? Like for, where did you move from? Yeah, so I grew up in a really, really small town in South Carolina. Like, we just got a Taco Bell last year, and they, like, <laughs> threw a freaking party. Like, it, it was like, it's, it was that small. It was that small. Um, I think I graduated with, like, 150 people. So, it's, like, on the state wow. line. So, like, I was born in Charlotte because there's no hospitals where I'm from. Oh but, uh, yeah, so it's, like, it's that small. So I, I grew up there and then I went to I went to college for a few years in Florence. So which is like close to Columbia, South Carolina. So like that that's where I'm from. But I'm from really, really small town in South Carolina. So you were pretty educated. You you went to high school, you went to yeah. a little bit of college, and then you moved yeah. to LA. Correct. And Correct. the whole purpose of moving to LA was just you wanted to be in acting. What was your goal yeah. for that? Like you wanted to become famous or what? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, so I, I was having a lot of success modeling and just the way it works, it just like in any industry. So if if I if I and, you know, if, if myself and you are up for a job and we have a similar look, um, if you live five miles away and you and then myself, they you have to pay for my travel there, then more likely than not, you're going to get the job. So logistically, if you want to work more and, and be able to make it a full-time job, then the necessity for you to be in the place where your industry lies is, is critical. So that's why, you know, for, for that, you know, it's either you're in New York, you're in Miami, you're in LA. It just depends on what, you know, what kind of modeling you're doing. So like, if, if you're more like runway type stuff, you know, it's, uh, you know, a, a little bit in LA, but a lot more in Miami and, and New York. But like, if you're like doing a lot of print, you know, that's going to be in LA also. But is that what you studied in school as well? Like you wanted to just do acting? Are yeah. You... So I, 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 I majored in theater. Like, I mean, my, my oh, plan awesome. all along, my plan all along was, you know, to, to move to LA and just, I like, I wanted to model, I wanted to act and I just wanted to, like, to be creative. That's just like my spirit. I just, I, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I, I really love personal training and just the idea of fitness. I played basketball in college for a really short period of time. So just athletics and training and, and just creating things like creating programs for people, manipulating diets, like to change aesthetics, like mm -hmm. that, like all things like that. So I just wanted to create something and I wanted to be around people. Like those, those yeah. are the two things that I'm passionate about and um and eating food but like i don't i don't think i can make money that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah same same bro fast food and everything um, for me but yeah but that, like, that's I mean, honestly that's really interesting um that you had all that lined up and then it just kind of went in a whole different direction that's kind of yeah. like you know what satan does to us like if, if, if we're not careful you know he's like roaring like a lion just waiting for an opportunity to get to us so what did what did you think about god during this time like did you um had you did you grow up Christian, Catholic, anything? Like, did you know there was a God? Did you, were you like atheist? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a, a Christian household. Like I grew up, so my mom had me when she was 16. I grew up like not knowing my dad, which was a weird situation because I, I'm from a really small town. So I just didn't have a relationship with my dad, but I would see him, you know, and, and eventually, you know, he got married and had other kids and just, 
we never had a relationship. So I, I would see this person that was my dad, but I didn't know him as my father, if that makes sense. So I, yeah. so that, that I can't, you know, I carry that as a, as a burden to, to some degree, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I, I went out there to, to, you know, take over the world, you know? <laughs> so what did you, what did you know about God? Yeah. Um, just, so I grew I'm sorry. So <laughs> I got sidetracked <laughs> right there. That threw me off. That always hurts me when I, when I talk about that, but, yeah. um, Oh, we'll get into that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian household. Like my, my grandparents were Christian and like my mom attended church mm. and I, I, I learned that there was a distinction between those things later in life. But, um, we, we went to church. We, you know, not like my grandparents, my grandmother specifically went regularly, um, but I, I went, you know, every once in a while, like during the summer, we go to like vacation Bible school and stuff like that. I played in a, like a Christian, like basketball league. I knew people, um, that were Christian. And if you asked me if I was Christian, then I probably would have said yes. Mm. But the reality is I knew who God was, but I didn't believe that he could know me. So wow. I, 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 yeah, so I, I believe that, you know, like, God and religion was about what people can do, you know, for God or what God wants from me. And the reality is, you know, Jesus, he, he wants something for us, you know, yeah. um, but I, did, I didn't have a relationship. So long story short, I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew who God was. I believe that he was, you know, creator and author of the universe and everything, but I, I didn't understand or I didn't have the capacity at that time to accept the fact that he could love me and that he loved me so much that he would give me his first and his best in Jesus. Like I, I didn't understand that. I definitely heard it for sure. I heard it, but um, it didn't make its way to my heart. So then while you were doing um, the porn, while you were making all these films, um, did you yourself, like, were you a consumer of porn? Did you think this was like super cool that you were doing this type of stuff or did you feel shame and guilt? Like, did you lose friends? You know, how was that whole experience of getting in that industry, you know, staying in that industry? Yeah, um, it, it couldn't be more opposite than what people think it is. Because for me, like, I was pretty successful before I got in that industry. Um, my problem was, is what many people struggle with is that my my success wasn't defined by my success. My success was defined by the people around me. Like I, I was like, for example, like I was represented by the same agent that represented Tyson Bedford. Obviously he's having exponential more like success than I am. So if I'm comparing my life to his, then I'm not doing well at all. So I got caught up in that mindset. So I did that one film and my life like pretty much just started falling apart because I did a film and I was kind of dating someone at the time. And I was like, Hey, I did this thing. And she was like, you know, obviously she gave me the boot and, but she worked at that bar. So I was like, I can't go back there. And then like, we all, we had a lot of mutual friends. So like they were ticked off at me. So all of a sudden I felt rejected by like all these people. Mm. And, and I, I still had like some friends and, you know, like my, I, I was in a fraternity in college and like, you know, it was kind of like half and half. They were like, some of them were like, Oh, that's so cool. And, and the other half is like, you idiot, you know? Hmm. And I, I didn't tell, I didn't tell like any like close friends other than that. And I didn't tell my family. Cause I, honestly, I didn't really think much of it. Like, honestly, I just thought like I did this thing. 
my girlfriend broke up with me. Like to me, it was like, I did this dumb thing. It was almost like I cheated on her. I did, you know, but it's like, it was almost like I did this thing. And then, you know, that relationship ended and now I'm just going to have to like alter my life in some way. But I, I really believed that it wasn't going to affect me. And then like within weeks that, you know, that, that's, that scene I did was on the internet and it was like everywhere. And I was like, whoa. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, then I just, it's almost like what happened in the garden. So, so Genesis two, Adam and Eve are walking, they're naked. They feel no shame. Genesis three, they sin, they, they feel ashamed and they hide. And that's what I did. That's, that was my story. The, the more, the more films I did, the more shamed I felt. So I isolated myself from my friends. I isolated myself from my family. And all of a sudden there, there was an almost a year period where I wasn't even answering my mom's text messages or my brother who needed me at the time. And I was, I was in you know, some way rejecting them because of the way I saw myself, I, I felt used up. So I felt useless. I felt mm-hmm. dirty. So I was like, how can I be a, how can I be a son? How can I be a big brother? Um, so it, it, the more, the longer I stayed in the industry, the more I isolated myself because I felt ashamed, but I never felt convicted. If that makes sense. Like I felt, I felt like what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't truly feel conviction. And what, what I was doing when I was doing it, it, it went from feeling awkward to feeling like nothing at all. Like it was, I could have been changing a tire. Like it didn't matter. That's why, like later on in my career, like when I when I trans, like I I, I did, you know, I did probably nine hundred and fifty, you know, straight films, and I did I think maybe fifty um, fifty films on on the homosexual like genre. It's like, well, that's crazy. Hold on, you did nine hundred and fifty films. Yeah, I've done over a thousand films. Oh my gosh, that is insane. <laughs> I had yeah, no yeah. idea, man. That is yeah. like so many. I can see like how you could easily just disassociate, you know, oh. like how you get, it's just another day at the office. <laughs> because like it honestly, like I'm not being facetious when I say this, like shaking someone's hand was far more intimate to me than having sex with someone. That's insane. But you know what? I really, um, I really um, relate to what you're saying because for me, um, when I started stripping, um, I was, I, I was obviously, I grew up Christian. Um, I did have a, a respect for, for God and, and for Jesus. And I, I loved my spiritual side, but I had no way to kind of um, like uh, deal with the fact that I was having all these same sex attraction feelings. Right. So I was like, oh, well, God just, I had such a confusion. Like it's, it's like what Romans says, where it's like, we are the darkness before we get into the light. Like, even yeah. though I knew of God, I was in so much darkness and it was so confusing and everything around me was so like, um, just, I, I didn't know my way. And even though I wanted to know my way. So it was like what you were saying, which was like, um, you knew it was wrong, but there was no conviction, you know, because like you're in the darkness. So you're super confused. But one yeah. thing that you said, which was like, um, I felt a lot of shame doing that i remember the first couple of times like uh when i went stripping um i put on hats and i put on big glasses yeah. <laughs> so that no one would recognize me um yeah. i was like i was like i'm just gonna do this for the money also like maybe i might meet some cool people you know working in, in the club 
Um, but I, I didn't want people to know me. And so I changed my right. whole name and everything. But then I did this photo shoot, right? And in, in the photo shoot, it was for like a fire island or something like that. It was like for an, yeah. an event. And it had my face. And then it also had like some some pictures of my butt and stuff like that, just like n- naked. And um, I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even think about it while I was doing it. I didn't think about it. Like, I was like, this is going to be like everywhere. Like, it's going to be on social media. This is going to be like on um, yeah. a, like a poster on walls or around the city and stuff like that. And I remember my parents came to visit one weekend and uh, I had taken them to Fire Island, which I had no idea why I did that. Because <laughs> like the event was coming up. So there's a bunch of posters of the oh, event man. all over. And so like every time I would see one, I'd be like, look over there. <laughs> like I'd be like, oh, like change it. And then I would rip off the poster so that they wouldn't yeah. see it. Um, but I was so I was so um I was I was <clears throat> in shame and I was embarrassed. Um I didn't I I separated myself from my family. And when they finally did find out it was like chaos. It was insane. So I definitely can relate to that a lot, man. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, how do we, how, when you're in that darkness, how do you find your way out? So speaking yeah. of um, the, the gay films or the homosexual, you know, porn films, yeah. um, did you struggle at all with your, um, did you have same sex attraction like growing up or to you it was like, it had nothing to do with that. Like, do you consider yourself straight or what? Yeah. I mean, I like, a lot of people have like come to me and asked me that question. And honestly, I, I wish I had some, I wish I had a better story to like truly tell you. But like, for me, I a hundred percent saw myself as a product and either I could make, I could make $5,000 a month working twice, or I could make $4,000 a month working 25 or 30 times. Hmm. So like to me, like, so people have this like idea that when you go on set, it's this like romantic thing. It's like you guys hit it off and you do this stuff. It it couldn't be more. It couldn't be further away from like actual intimacy. Like people are like, have you ever worked with someone that you don't want to work with? It's like you never like you don't want to be like what you're doing. It's it's not like it's so far from sex. It's mm-hmm. like like you like it looks like the action, but it's like it. I can't even articulate like how yeah, it's, far it's totally it it, it's totally staged everything and yeah. it's completely fake yeah. like it's just yeah. like and if you if you've ever been like for example for me I also which is something I relate to you as well is that I went to theater school and so I did a conservatory yeah. program so yeah. it's kind of like yeah we're kind of like very much same like theater school and then yeah. like out into a new city and then like yeah. the devil just exploits us um yeah. but um I, I remember learning in class like just how fake films are you know, yeah. and then teaching us and, and me thinking people, they watch movies and they watch films and they, they think, okay, yeah, you know, that's obviously fake, but to yeah. some, some, um, some extent, you know, even when we watch, you know, things like Twilight, Robert Pattinson, right. and Kristen Stewart, you're thinking, oh, they gotta be a couple, you know, they right. just, they have to be a couple because they're playing a couple on in the film, right. but not necessarily because it's so, it's just so staged. It's so fake. Yeah. Like e- even the kisses, the directors mm-hmm. are just like, okay, you're going to kiss now. Okay, well, you, you might want to hold that a little bit longer for like a second. You know, everything is just like so yeah. fake. So I'm sure that's probably what it felt like, right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. But I mean, the, the level of discomfort, like, I mean, like you can, you, like Kino flows are like probably some of the best like lighting you can get 
but you can only get light in so many places. So when, when you are like, when you see like certain shots, like there's literally someone with a light in their hand, like, yeah. Underneath. <laughs> yeah. Trying like, to light it. Yeah. I mean, it, like the, the, the thought that like, Oh, you're in this, you're doing this like intimate thing. It's like, there's like 20 people in the room. There's a camera, a B there's a, there's someone shooting BTS there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it, there. A lot of times there's photographer like snapping in between shots and transitions and stuff like that. You know, there's a director, there's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a personal assistant, you know, sometimes there's an AD, you know, over there. Um, how did you, how did you deal with that discomfort? Like, was there drug use involved or anything like that? Cause I, I know for I me, mean, like yeah, when yeah. I was in the club, I got offered drugs all the time. It was, it was yeah. so easy. Um, but yeah. I never did it. Cause I was particularly like, for me, I'm an entertainer. So I was like, I kind of liked the attention. So yeah. what most people would feel uncomfortable doing just for money. I was like, Oh, I like this. I like dancing around. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, for, for me, it was, uh, so like, again, like we were talking about earlier, like the, like Myers-Briggs or like strength finder, like number one by like the 99.9% .9 like strength find like is achiever. So like for me, it was a task. So it's like, you know, accomplishing a task, you know, being the best. And it, it like, it was so, it, it wasn't, it was just like being able to do something well. Mm. So for me, and because like, I don't know, like I, I, I never like really, I wasn't like zoned out. I was zoned in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, it didn't, it didn't matter what I was doing. I yeah. was just going to do it. Yeah. You're like a perfectionist. I really, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So like for, for me, um, like I never like really, I never got into drugs. Like I took, I definitely took like, like ED medication and stuff like that. Like pretty much everyone does just because mm -hmm. like, you know, you're, you're going to be shooting for sometimes three, four hours. Yeah. Know? So it's like, and it's like, like you were asking the questions like on, like on the gay side, like to be completely honest, like every, I, I think I met like, the I think I was in I was on that side of the industry for like six months and I think I met like two people who identified as gay and like wow. at the at the at the end of those at the end of those scenes during those scenes and um before those scenes people would be watching straight pornography or it would be in the background like people looking at it and yeah. then sometimes and then sometimes like to, to the extent where sometimes people would use caverjack which I was talking talking about so caverjack is something for you know people that are you know it's intended for people who are paraplegic who want to be intimate with their spouse so you inject you know a, a chemical into the cavern of your penis and you know it's 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 going to be erect for four hours or more and if you use too much you have to go to the hospital and get it drained oh so my it's like gosh. does that hurt yeah. <laughs> i mean i, I like uh <laughs> I, I never had, I never had, I used that several, like not a ton, but I used it several times. And Man, like, that's like, a, that is yeah. like insane that you have to, you know, go through all of that. I, I never, you know, I, I'm going to be 100% real. I always am with my audience. Um, but I had a really big problem with pornography. Yeah. Um, it started when I was around, um, I want to say I was in middle school. So I was in eighth grade. It was like the first time I ever watched pornography and from there, it started like with little pictures on the internet. Um, I just be like, oh, this person naked or something, you know? Yeah. And then, um, then it, I, I remember the first time that I ever watched pornography on my computer. 
And um, it was so just so graphic, so explicit um, mm -hmm. that that night, because um, I had seen the pictures on Google, but then the yeah. videos, the actual pornography videos were like a whole yeah. completely different monster. Um, that night, I, the images didn't leave my mind. And so I was sleeping, trying to sleep, but like all I could see were the images of like right. everything that I had just viewed. And it didn't like, it was almost like the innocence of my eyes had been yeah. like stripped away. And yeah. um, since that moment going on, like it just became the regular in my life. You know, it was just yeah. like, Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch porn tonight. And, and, and just every week for every week. So when I finally did become a Christian, there are some things that, you know, God just, he delivers us from, and he's so graceful and so merciful from, and then there are other things that he wants to walk with you through. And right. that was one of the things that he wanted to walk with me. And in the beginning, he did deliver me for like eight months. <laughs> yeah. And I was so happy. I was like, wow, God, you're so cool. Like, it's like a really yeah. good father, you know? And then I fell back into it and I yeah. felt all this guilt and all this shame. And it was, um, it was horrible. And I was like, man, I really gotta, I gotta dig deep down to see what's going on inside of me. Um, so when, when you like left that, um, yeah. when you left the pornography, why did you leave the pornography? Like what made you want to, if you were making good money on that stuff? Yeah. So for, for me, like it was, it was like, it was, re it's really sad to like look back on because, I went from like, like I, I was dating someone and we were, it was, it was going fine. And I won performer of the year and that like, that was a big deal. And then like, and then you, know, you go like six months after that. And then I decided to quit that career, like in the, in the straight, in the straight genre. And then I, I went, you know, I, I accepted a giant contract from a gay company and like what, what happened from A to B is like, I already didn't want to do it. And then I believed the lie that that was the only thing I could do. Mm. So I believe the lie that I, I'm a product. Who I am is someone who has sex on camera. I'm, I'm really good at it, but that's all I can do. So no one's ever going to want to like marry me. I'm never going to have kids or a family, or I'm never going to have a normal nine to five because that, that, there's no way that someone like me could do that. So I, I hated my job every single day and like doing it 20, 25 times a month. Like, yeah, I was making, you know, 250, 275K a, a year, but like that money didn't make me happy. But I lived, I lived a very luxurious lifestyle trying to fill a void that I had in myself. Um, so I, I grew increasingly depressed and I believed like, it was almost like if I do gay porn, I can't do straight porn anymore because that's like, that's just frowned upon in that industry. Like most girls won't work with a guy who's done gay porn. Oh, really? so like, yeah. So I was like, if I, if I do this, then I'll kind of ban myself from that industry. And that, that will be like, in my mind, it was like, okay, that's a step away. And then like, I, I, I know I can't stop doing it because that's all I can do. But if I just do this, I'll, I can, I'll work less often. So I won't have to deal with it because I can deal with, you know, two or three a month. Like I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I believed. And, and the girl that you were dating at the time, she didn't care that you were doing those types of things. No, 
What about your family? Did they know? So my, my family, my family found out probably like a, like six months into when I started, I never told them, but like, again, like I'm from a small town and like, like I became very popular very quickly. And because of my, my acting ability, like there's, you know, there's the Skinamax and in Showtime. So it pretty much anything, any movie like that I was starring in. Yeah. So I was all over Cinemax, all over Showtime. I, I was on the cover of Playgirl seven times. Like I, like there just, just so much out your, there. Your that family was like, you, you, you had said that you stopped answering phone calls. You didn't talk to your brother. So you just yeah. kind of like separated yourself from your family. Yeah. But that was, I mean, there was a four year period where I, I still talked to them, but I just felt, I felt very embarrassed. And I was, I was very like, I like, I went to my brother's grad, I went home and like went to my brother's graduation. And I think other than that, I went home like two other times in that, in that like six year period I was in, and I was in Los Angeles. Wow. But, but towards that, that last year before I quit, that was when I, I was just, I was so depressed that like, I don't know, I just didn't want to be around people. So I just, I didn't go out and party and like do stuff. Like I, if I was somewhere, I was being paid to be there. Like mm -hmm. if I was somewhere, like, you know, I would go to Vegas and like make appearances at clubs and they would pay me just to be at the club and sit at a table and they would give me a bottle um, yeah. or like it, or like at like, you know, like a, a, like a sex expo or, you know, like an event or something like that or a signing. Yeah. But other than that, like, I, I didn't like, I didn't take it on myself to go anywhere. Like I had no interest in going out or partying or being around people. So I just, just like separated myself from everyone to the degree where I fell in such, into such a deep depression. I was really considering like, you know, I, God, I don't, I don't know like how this works, but I don't, I don't want to live. Like I, I want to, I wish that I would die. I want to die. I don't, I don't think I have the guts to take my life, but I don't see myself having a life. And I don't want to continue living the life that I have. So if I could just die, that would be great. Is kind yeah. of where I was. That is like exactly my own feeling. <laughs> when I when I came back from Australia and everything that I did around the world, um, I was scared, you know, to take my own life. Uh, I was really scared, but I was exactly feeling that. It was that exact way. It was just like, well, I've done everything. I have money. Um, well, I had money. You know, um, I had relationships, I traveled the world, did everything that I want to do. And, and now it's just like, well, I, I just don't want to see what tomorrow brings. Like, that's all I remember feeling. It's just like, I was like, I literally could not care less about tomorrow. Like I have just yeah. like, I have everything in me. It's just like, don't care about my future. Don't care about like, if I have a family, I don't care if I have a career. Like, I was like, yeah, I yeah. don't want to see tomorrow. And I, yeah. I, I, just, like, I really just, I'd rather just die. So yeah. I agree completely on that. It's really interesting. You said um, you're a good actor because I remember specifically, and I think you've posted about this on TikTok. Um, it was like a meme a couple of years ago yeah. and it was so funny. And that's probably maybe one of the reasons why you were so popular maybe because of that meme, but it was uh, the lifeguard lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you're in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. That was, so, I, I never saw that, <laughs> that porn, yeah. but I saw yeah. that yeah. clip and it was so <laughs> funny. I was like, I, I really thought like I was like mo most people that I do did meet in that world they weren't educated and yeah. it is like I, I don't know your experience but for me it was like 
it is like talking to like almost like a wall sometimes with those people yeah. like it's like they don't have anything in their in their brain so yeah. you come in on the podcast I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh. I was like, he's super like smart. He's like educated. <laughs> Cause I was like, in the video, you play like dumb. And yeah. I was like, oh, he's he's not dumb. That was like acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So that that video is the reason that I got on TikTok. Because the reason I I I just like I saw because I that video is pretty old. Like the video it's is super from, old. I remember I was in college, I think, when that Yeah, came that out. video, like that video is from 2011 and i so like i don't know like someone randomly said something to me on instagram about it and i was like i, I like vaguely remembered like <laughs> what are you, are you talking about and then i like looked and it has been shared a hundred million times over all platforms i was yeah. like holy moly so like i i i created a tiktok um in like in February, but I, I just like, as soon as I got on it, I was like, not today, Satan. <laughs> I just got on there. I was like, it was just stuff I didn't want to see. And uh, I, I was like, I, I'm thinking I'm okay on that, but I, I didn't delete it off my phone. I just didn't use it. And a few months later, well, actually several months later, like in October, I was in Omaha and I just like, for some reason, like, I, I just felt the Lord, like, lead me to say hey just just put your testimony on tiktok and just see what happens and just like i use like a quick clip of that scene you know because leveraging momentum is is, is smart so i put that yeah. in my testimony and it got like five million views in like 48 hours and i was like holy, awesome. holy. yeah so so that's yeah. like that's what i that's what i would remember you from the most because i was like yeah. oh my gosh like that 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 video is so funny so so great great acting chops like <laughs> that clip has nothing to do with sex it is like so yeah. it is like one of the stupidest funniest scenes ever but anyway so going back to uh, what you were speaking about so i really like what you're saying because um just even recently um i i'm still dealing and i have mentorship and counselship with um some uh, leaders in my life and yeah. dealing with the pornography is still such an um such a battle yeah. But I've been learning such amazing ways um, to really escape it. And it's really rooted in the love of God and the acceptance of, of being free from the law and his grace and mercy and a bunch yeah. of different things, which yeah. I don't have time to get into. But um, I remember reading your testimony uh, about two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something like that. And I was kind of on a binge um, and just, you know, uh, allowing myself to go through what I needed to go through with the Lord of like the pornography and all these hidden things inside of us. I was like, it's kind of like David, it's like, search my heart. Oh Lord, you know, like, yeah. like find what's in me wrong that like is, yeah. is wrong and just, you know, help me heal me. Um, yeah. And I read your story and it, it came up on someone's Instagram. They had shared it and I read your story and the part where you said um, that you were so broken as a person just really, really broke me. I began to just like, I like just cry. And I'm like, I feel yeah. like crying right now. Cause it was it, it like, to me, it really like the conviction of seeing individuals in those films who yeah. you don't think about it because you're, you're yeah. consuming it and you're right. like, and it's so staged and they look so happy or they look like they're enjoying yeah. themselves. And, but to know 
how mm. broken they are on the inside. It's like, man, that convicted me so much that I was like, first off, I need to reach out to this dude. Cause I want to have him on. I want to talk to him. And second off, I was like, this is like exactly what I needed to hear from God. Um, and God really used your story to help me kind of break away and add a whole nother level of like why I should not be watching that and doing that. Not that I thought I should be, but you know, like yeah. how things, tools to help me break the pornography. And yeah. then I found Fight the New Drug, which uh, which you can tell me about, but, and I downloaded their app and everything fortified. So, so tell me what you're doing now to try to fight that pornography after leaving the pornography um, and then we'll go back into like, well, actually, you know what? Tell me first, tell me first about what happened when you reached out to like God and left the pornography. Like, yeah, because that, that is the, that is the part of my story that sometimes gets, uh, gets conveyed, not as clearly as it should. But so my story is not, I was doing porn I heard from God, I responded, my life is different, and I'm a pastor today. Mm-hmm. Um, my story is, I was depressed to the point where I wanted to take my life, and then God spoke to me through a person, and I didn't realize it at the time. I walked into a bank, and from isolating myself from my family and my friends, no one was calling me anything other than my stage name. I didn't hear Joshua come from anyone's lips for over a year. I walk into a bank. I have a transaction. I deposit a check. I'm leaving. As I'm leaving, the teller said, um, sir, Joshua, is, is there something I can do for you? Joshua, can I help you? And it was just so freaking weird. I was just like, I mean, if, if it would have happened at the beginning of the conversation, it would have made sense. But I was like, am I crazy right now? Is this happening? And I just left. I bolted. And I have chills right now thinking about it because I, I remember I walked to so the bank was across the street from where I lived. And I was walking back to where I lived across the street. And I just like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I got back into my apartment and I just had chills. And I just felt sick to my stomach. And I went and I looked at myself in the mirror. And in that moment was the first time I felt conviction because I felt this weight of what I did. I knew what I was doing was wrong or wasn't, you know, wasn't good, but I never felt guilty. And all of a sudden I felt guilty. And I, I felt like I abandoned my mom and like she continued reaching out to me and she was hurting and she needed me. and I wasn't there for her. My brother needed me and I wasn't there for her. And all of a sudden I just looked myself in the face. And I felt that pain. And I wish I could say that I leaned into the presence of God, but I actually ran from it because I was scared. So I ran home and I, 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 and I had this beautiful reunion with my mom and my mom you know, she, she accepted me right where I was. And it was like, I'd never left. And we had this beautiful moment and I started personal training and I started creating this great career for myself. I I started establishing myself as a personal trainer, but at the same time I was lying to everyone I met. I I was like, yeah, I lived in California. I just did, I used to do this stuff. Um, Don't worry about it. No big deal. You know, I I did a little bit of modeling and acting, but like, you know, don't look me up. No big deal. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Don't look me up. (laughs) Yeah, please don't look me up. But the reality was like, um, you know, the the internet allows uh, my my sins to be very easily and very tangibly accessible. So um, my lies were very quickly uprooted and uh, revealed. So I, I, 
I was just having like a two, there was a two year period where I would, I would go somewhere and do something and I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, a normal dude. And like, Oh, you're that guy. 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 And I just became so tired of it. I just mm. couldn't take it anymore. And I, I went on a date with this girl and we were going running and I just felt this like weight of just like tell her. And I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to tell her. And, um, but I did. I was like, Hey, I need to tell you something. You're probably not going to hang out with me after this, but I need to tell you how bad I am. And I spent, you know, uh, probably 10, 15 minutes telling her how bad I was. And her response was, do you know who God is? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah you know, I, I, I know that he exists. I know he created everything. She's like, well, are you in a relationship with him? And that, that struck me in a way that I can't even fully explain. I was like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And we talked a little more. And then the next week we went to church and I heard, um, are you familiar with the, the story of my, uh, so my fabulous was like the last person who was still alive he was the lineage of joseph so joseph had one family member so back in the day when someone else would like like a, another royal family would take over everyone that was alive still was killed so my was the one person that was still alive the lineage of joseph and David sent his guard to find them. And when he found them, he Mephibosheth was, was, was crippled and he was living on the streets and he, he thought for sure that he was going to receive death. But instead, David sent his guard to invite him to his home and he didn't invite him to his home for a day. He didn't invite him to his table for a day. He invited him there forever and he gave him the best seat at the table. And that's what I got. God reached down and gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. She extended grace to me when I didn't expect it. So she said, you, you know, do you have a relationship with God? And it set the table for me to go in and hear the gospel articulated in a way I'd never heard it before. And I couldn't do anything but just let go of that shame and let go of that guilt and give it to God. So that's so beautiful. Yeah. Man, that's like, um, I think, are you speaking about the story in Second uh, Samuel? Yeah. Where, um, I thought that was the son of Saul. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Saul, Saul, yeah. <laughs> okay. You said Joseph. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, I don't remember yeah. reading about that in Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. man. That's beautiful. Um, man, that's, that's honestly, um, amazing to hear because I think like God just sometimes it's, uh, we hear that story all the time. Like the Lord spoke to me and then like everything yeah. changed, you know? Yeah. Um, and even for me, like, um, God didn't really come down was like, I am God, you know, he just, that morning when I woke up the next day, I felt amazing and all my depression had gone, but it was like three months of living like um, one in one foot in one foot out, like not really knowing what to do. So I yeah, like yeah. that. I like that part of your story, man. So then that girl, um, she introduced you into the relationship with like really Jesus and what that looked like and helped produce yeah. fruit in your life. Yeah. What, um, what she, I was saying like, what, what the, the part that I love about her is like, she led me into the presence of God by reflecting the character of God. Like I, I, because it would be so easy for her to respond any other way, but she didn't, she saw me as the person who had value that was created in the image of God. She didn't see me as a person who had these mistakes. And that was how I identified myself. I identified myself. Who are you? I'm this guy that did this. That's not who you are. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, everything has to do with identity. So that right. whole time you're just thinking to yourself, oh, this is who I am. And even running away from that, it's like you're thinking people are going to find out eventually because this is who I am. But yeah, here, like, she was telling you, you're not actually that thing. Like Jesus yeah. says, you're something different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's really incredible. I think like for me, same thing. It was kind of, I, I like to, um, I like to call it like the Anastasia effect, Anastasia, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, um, I don't know if you've seen that Disney movie. You're, you're a lot older than me, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think we're 10 years apart, but Anastasia, um, she, in that Disney movie, she doesn't know she's a princess. Like her memory has been like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Um, and we, sometimes we forget like our real identity and then we start living in a way that is not like very princess like you know right. <laughs> or prince like yeah. uh because right. we are royal family members of god right. and so when i was in that it was almost like the devil he masked my mind um the innocence of my relationship with god being born in that christian relation um christian environment um and then me thinking oh i i have to accept this identity Mm -hmm. instead of accepting like my real identity because i didn't understand yeah. that i was a prince you know i didn't understand yeah. that i was part of a royal priesthood that's good uh, so yeah so coming coming into that i was like oh man like um and sometimes even it's it's strange because like for example if when anastasia she regains her memory she doesn't know like she still doesn't know how to behave like a princess because she she wasn't brought up as a princess she was you know homeless or whatever you know this it's fictional story in disney yeah yeah <laughs> but, yeah it's like us walking with Christ. Why I named this podcast Christian Progress is for us sometimes to realize, oh, it's it's going to look like, sometimes it's going to be messy because um, yeah. you're gonna have moments where you're not acting like a prince or a princess because you spent right. so many years in that other lifestyle thinking that was your identity. Right. So then walking with Christ is like, he's like, um, he's like a, our very godmother you know like whatever yeah. but like this horrible yeah. example but um yeah. he's the one teaching us grooming us like being like no yeah. you're actually a prince no you're actually like this identity and when we go back to those things like the pornography or or right. you know whatever that um if you're a thief you know stealing or drugs yeah. or whatever it's, yeah. it's moments where we're like we're, we're going we're reverting back to that identity but jesus is like but you're not actually that you know you're yeah. you're in my eyes you're a prince or a princess and that's yeah. not going to define you. I'm going to take you out of that. Even though you keep trying to go back in there out of force of habit or out of prince, prince and um, principalities up and above, you know, spiritual power, yeah. Um, yeah. but coming back into that. So how do you, how do you like, so you met this girl and then mm -hmm. now um, you, you, you find Christ through her. Is that your wife? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. And then now you have a kid with her as well, right? We have, we have three kids. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I have a, we have a, uh, a two-year-old. So he'll be three in July. We have a 10 month old and my wife is 10 weeks pregnant. So. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's incredible, man. Yeah. So then how did you, how did you know, okay, to get started with um, fight the drug and all these different things, you know, you were doing personal training. How did the Lord lead you into because um like sharing your ministry and doing right sharing your testimony because a lot of people for example like um 
I would say we're like Harriet Tubman prototypes. Yeah. <laughs> got yeah. that spirit of like, okay, I'm free, but I'm going to go back and try to free other people as well. Right. What led you to want to not keep your mouth shut about the things you had experienced, but put it yeah, out for, there? For me, um, I, I love telling this part of the story or I love painting this picture. So I, I love my grandparents so much. Um, my, my grandmother and my grandfather, uh, they both died of COVID about six months ago. Oh, and, man. and, but just like, there's, there's a million things that I remember about my grandmother. Cause we, we grew up in her home. You know, my mom was 16 when she had me. So, you know, we, we grew up in her home and um, she was like another, you know, mom to me, but man, if, if there was one thing that like a, a thing that I would remember her by a thing, it'd be her, her buttermilk biscuits. And when you would taste a buttermilk biscuit out of the oven, you, you, like when people would come over or like somebody was coming to dinner, I was like, you have to try this. You have to try this. It will change your life. You have to try this. And that's just kind of like who, who I am, like my personality. So when I experience something that I love, whether it's CrossFit or Jesus or a good meal, my first instinct is to go say, hey, you have to try this because I want you to experience this too. And I'm just, I mean, I'm obviously, a, you know, very extroverted. I'm very out there. You know, I, I love people. And when I came to Christ, I was like, gosh, like I had no idea that, like, I thought that, that money or that affirmation or like those like covers or you know signing autographs for people or like being on a stage at like you know whatever um those things were going to make me happy and they never did but goodness being in the presence of god and knowing that i'm fully loved and fully accepted and god loves me so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son for me so that i could be in a right standing relationship with him it's just like it's like, I want to share this with people. I was like, I feel like I need to tell my story. So literally two weeks after I give my life to Christ, I get baptized. And then I, I go upstairs to the church I was at. So it was this really big church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was like, hey, can I just like talk to a pastor? And the executive pastor of the church just happened to be in his office. She was like, yeah, like I'm going there. Pastor Gary's in there. And I'll go in there. I'm like, hey, Gary can I talk to you? And I told him my testimony and I was like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I feel like God wants me to build a boat or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I just want to like, I have this story and I feel like I want to tell it and I don't, I don't know what to do. And there he's like, well, I want to introduce you to someone. And there was this guy named Andrew who had just moved from Austin, Texas to Raleigh. And he was going to help launch um, the, their, fifth campus um i'm sorry their fourth campus and um he's like you know the campus is not you know the the lot this is just a launch team it's gonna be several months before it's there um he's got some spare time you know won't you like spend some time with andrew so andrew we sat down and he put a he put a muffin in front of me and he was like i want you to tell me a hundred things about this and i was like Okay. So we sat there until I told him a hundred things about that muffin. He's like, that's how, that's how, how, uh, how deep we're going to dig into the Bible until we talk, until we get to like, what does it mean? We want to see like, what is it? So just talking about like observation and interpretation, application, and just, he taught me how to read the Bible. And then he taught me how to teach people, 
how to read the Bible. And then we spent um, a, a full year studying biblical Greek and he inspired me to go back to school. So I, I went, you know, I, I decided to enroll at Liberty University and you know, pursue uh, getting a degree in religion with a focus on Christian ministry. So like, I just like, I knew I wanted to like tell my story. And I knew I wanted to engage with people and just God put people in my life that guided me in a different direction and provided me with the wisdom that I needed. And um, the whole time, like I was working at a gym and my wife and I, we ended up starting a gym. Um, you know, we, we, I was working at a gym I became a general manager of a gym. And then my wife and I, we decided to start a gym and it was going really well. But the whole time I was just like telling people my story and like, you know, like just God was like working through me in just a miraculous way. And I, I it's like, I loved fitness and I love what it was bringing me. I loved I love what was bringing my family, but like, I could not stop thinking like, how can I spend more time advocating for Jesus? How can I not spend, how can I spend more time telling people about Jesus? What, what, you know, what, what else can I do? And, you know, I, I started an internship process at the church and, you know, I interned there for about two years and so crazy, just like it, it makes sense only how God would see it because yeah. I, I went from that to where I was, and then I ended up on staff at Life Church, which is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest Christian organizations in the United States. And I'm sitting in a meeting with Craig Rochelle talking to me. And it's like, how in the world has this happened? Uh, and then flash forward another year, and my wife and I felt, felt called to plant a church. So we moved to Iowa where she is from and we have started a ministry. So yeah. So that's gonna, <laughs> that's incredible, man. I just like, I've, as you were speaking, I'm just like, wow, man, I have so much in common with this dude. <laughs> Cause that's exactly what happened to me. Like I was doing personal training. I started my own business as a personal trainer. I was going like, you're, you're almost like the more, <laughs> more explicit version of me <laughs> like you did everything better than me so like even when I was in that lifestyle I didn't do the porn the porn but you did when I was doing the personal training I didn't open up a gym but you did <laughs> so it's like all these things and and then even just what you were saying like I when I was doing personal training um I just couldn't stop talking about God to the point where I think I was knowing my clients because like they would be like oh can we play like this song by like Katy Perry or something like yeah. that. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, have you heard this worship song? Like, yeah. I was like, we should, we should work out of this, you know, like yeah. it's crazy like that, man. But that makes me so happy for you. And I, yeah. I truly know that, you know, the spirit of God is behind all of everything that you're doing. Oh, so absolutely. tell me, tell me. So when I checked out your, your story and I read that article, um, it helped me so much. And, you know, it's unfortunate because every time I would try to seek help from Christians everything costs money. And right. so I wanted to get free from pornography. Um, and this was before I had mentors or anybody in my life. Right. And I was looking for help. But every time I would go online, it was just like courses that cost money, things right. that like cost a lot of money, and I didn't have money. So I was like, wow, like, I was like, Christians who are supposed to be helping people, instead mm -hmm. of like helping they're charging. And then now yeah. we have people out there who are suffering, who want help and can't even get help from the people who are supposed to be helping. So right. I checked out this website and to my surprise, everything was free. You know, yeah. uh, like the, the app, which I downloaded, which was called Fortify was free. Um, and it came with like a tracker, um, how you're feeling emotionally, 
the journal, which has helped me so much, like journaling everything and being what, how my days are going and how bad days, how things affect me. How are you like linked to that and what they're doing? Yeah. So I love, so it's so funny how God works because fight the new drug is a company that is not religious. And, you know, three, four years ago, um, I had the opportunity to, to link up with them, but I think more often than not, we limit how big God is and we, we put our finite expectations of what he can do in and through something. So I was like, no, they're not a Christian organization. I can't work with them. <laughs> but <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I couldn't even tell because I've been using the app. I thought there was a Christian organization. I was like, this yeah. is so good. <laughs> and that's what I mean. It's, it's, I mean, it's just, it's founded on, you know, principles that correlate with, with Christianity, but it, it's not, it's not in any way a, a religious organization and just, they're, they're really passionate about reaching people and not, um, not allow, not having one thing limit you from the, the main thing that there's their objective and their objective is to eradicate pornography from your life and, you know, in everywhere, ultimately. Yeah. But I've had the opportunity to sit down with them. I wrote a, I wrote an article that I'm really passionate about. Um, I did a podcast that will be out soon. Um, and they will be here at the end of the month. And they're going to film uh, like a little, a little documentary. Uh, so that's going to be really neat. It's going to be really neat. So and that's, that's, so that's bringing that up because it's like the people who are of the world aren't charging for these types of things. And then the Christians who are supposed to be the ones who are helpful and, you know, not supposed to be money obsessed are the ones who are charging. It's like, wow, we're doing a great job, Christians. You know, like we really are showing the world how great we are. (laughs) So, man, no, but that that app has changed my life, man. It's been incredible um, just to have that. And also just your article and how deeply it impacted me. Um, I definitely, I wanted to, we're coming up on the end here, but, um, I think like that was something that I think everybody needs to hear about your story. Um, and that's what really touched my heart. It's just like seeing how broken you were as a person doing those types of things and then the consuming films like that, um, and self-gratifying my flesh off of someone who's so broken. Um, it's like, oh man, this is this is like, if I, this is almost like if I murdered someone, you know, this yeah. is like, I'm, I'm feeding my pleasure off of something that is dead off of something that is broken. Yeah. And that really convicted my heart. And so what would you say to someone out there who's listening to this to end it all off? Um, who's struggling with pornography, um, doesn't know how to get free. Um, and, and yeah, and just been like in that, who's a Christian, what would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think that the level of conviction that you felt when you read my story and seeing that there is someone who you may be consuming their content, you are consuming that content like they're a product. But what you are saying is you are okay with treating them that way. And you're saying that their life doesn't matter. So you're just going to consume that content. But I, I, I would like to take it up a notch, um, you know, like, just like, you know, Jesus, he, he, don't, don't worry about adultery. Like, even if you lust in your heart, like you, you've committed adultery. Um, 
there's there's 30 people. So I was in the industry for five years. There's 30 people who were in the industry the same time I was. Um, today, all 30 of those people have either committed suicide, they've OD'd and died, or they've put their life in, at risk and they're dead. Those people, they still have scenes on the internet and people watch those. People watch those scenes. Um, like there's people who didn't have the blessing that I had. Like they didn't have that moment. They believe that because I, because I'm doing porn, it's all I can do. And then, and for a lot of people, it takes this path. I do porn, I get older, I get less popular, I start to work less, that affects my pockets. So now an option is to do feature dancing. So I can, I can appear in, you know, at strip clubs as a feature dancer, but those are like a once a month type thing. All of a sudden that income starts to go away. Okay, now I can start doing escorting. So escorting is ultimately like glorified prostitution. I have a name, so I'm gonna charge more as a prostitute. But all of a sudden, all the, you know, my, my films start to be shown less or, or there's not a lot of content, not as much new content out there. Because, so I start to lose my allure, I start to lose my appeal. And then all of a sudden I stop getting those phone calls for work. And now what am I left with? I'm left with my worth is based on me doing those things. And I believe that that's all I can do. And if that's who I believe that I am, there's only one, two ways to go. The people in that industry, regardless of what they might say in the moment, no one wants to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, no one, no one wants to be like they, they have gifts and talents and aspirations. They don't want to do that, but they believe that they can't do anything else. And they, they, they believe the lie that the money and the fame and the affirmation and the followers and blue check mark tells many other people lies. Say that's going to make me happy. But at the end of the day, you're not, you're empty. And there's a void inside of you that only Jesus can fill. And God loves you too much to leave you there so he won't he won't allow you to feel comfortable in a place like that yeah. you'll feel you'll feel discontentment you'll feel i need something else and it, it just it it really breaks my heart that those people are now dead who are my friends and that is how they're like even there, my friend Joe, like his obituary said, well, he, he, he was this guy and he did these amount of films. Wow. He didn't say, he didn't say what kind of person he was. He didn't say that he was a good friend. He didn't say, you know, he, he liked X, Y, and Z or, or his hobbies or, um, didn't, yeah. didn't acknowledge that he was a person. Yeah. So, so the, the people, so I, I guess I say all of that to say um, those people on that screen are people. Yeah, very much real. Very real. Yeah. They're not products with like, and that that was such a, that was something that I had uh, disassociated with for so many years. 
Because like we lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves like, oh, they got into that and they enjoy that and that's what they want right. and that's why they put themselves out there. Yeah. So then you're 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 doing okay. Well, this is okay because this is not hurting anyone. It's only hurting yeah. me. So like yeah. I'm not hurting anyone on the screen, but in reality right. you are because now yeah. you're you're like it's like you're consuming these things and these people are so broken even if they don't know that they are broken because right. if you know the truth in scripture you know that without God, without Jesus, we're all broken. Right. So when you're consuming that, you're you're basically denying scripture and you're right. saying, oh no, this is only hurting me or, you know, it has nothing to do with the other per- person. And even yeah. the, like the, um, like receiving that content into your life is propagating it to become more and more successful so that it can continue instead of yeah. abolishing it or, or getting rid of it. Um, and that's, that's really sad. So I think a lot of Christians, sometimes they need to hear that message that comes from you, Joshua, um, that it's like, I was a very broken person, even if I didn't know I was a broken person Yeah. and, um, and how, how deeply wounded and hurted I was and all these things. And, and people are just watching me like, it's okay. People are, you know, um, uh, pleasuring themselves to me. Um, it's such a broken individual and, um, yeah, that was that that was like the 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 two year gap after I quit. That was when I hurt the worst because you removed the money, you removed the affirmation, and then the only thing left was the guilt and the shame. So all of a sudden, I could I could look back and see what I did, and and in that moment, I felt it. That's like, um, man, that's that's so unfortunate because I see that all the time is um, I was just listening to another interview as well, where the person was talking about um, how they're doing porn. And then they're talking about like um, how, when they did it, they didn't realize the the things that would carry on later on into their adulthood um, yeah. things that they now go to therapy for um, right. because as a kid or, you know, like 18 years old, 20 years old, you're thinking of oh, these things won't follow me around. Yeah. Um, it won't have its impact on me. And that's why a lot of mm-hmm. those, you know, adult entertainers, they're like, oh, no, I, I am happy. I, I got, you know, the performer of the year award, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but then later on, when they do hit that point where you're talking about where everything is right. gone, they realize, oh, um, I'm not actually happy because that's what yeah. tells us. Yeah. I mean, with like even like even with a lot of money and, and whatever else you might have like from that, like when your head hits the pillow, we're all the same. And yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I mean, honestly, like something that we, we didn't touch on um, was just the fact like when I came out of the industry, I literally had to like learn how to interact with people because like i mean i love to explain it like tropic thunder like i was a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude like that's who i was <laughs> yeah like that's who i was like i was i was i had a stage name and and that that person who had a stage name that person had a character that i that i was expected to play like there's a lot of interviews that are on like youtube and like other things it's like oh like you're saying that like no you said that you know you you like that and you said that you know you were gay and you said that you were bi or you said that you were this of course i did of course i did i was playing a character that that's what they were paying me i was paying i was being paid to sell a fantasy 
So of course I'm gonna, of course. Um, but how often do we tell ourselves those lies? How often do we tell ourselves, oh, well, you know, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. And if you tell yourself that over and over again, you'll begin, even though it's a lie, you'll begin to believe it. Yeah. So it's like, I like coming out of that industry, it's like, I had been pretending to be someone for so long. Like if there wasn't a script or even with personal training, like with personal training, it's like I'm writing a program. There's a systematic approach to what I'm doing. I know what I'm going to convey to you. Like, you know, you're, I, you're, you want to aesthetically change in this way. Great. I'm going to make a program and systematically approach that. I know how to do that. Or like you want to increase your athletic performance. Okay. There's a plan for that, but that didn't, that didn't, it didn't make me like, engage with them in a certain way but like when i became a christian all of a sudden my ability to train people was elevated because all of a sudden i i had an increased level of empathy i i wasn't ashamed to tell people it's like i took this mask off and all of a sudden i became my most authentic self for the first time wow yeah man that's beautiful and i think like to end it all off um it's it's amazing how God you were talking about um, doing the whole uh, deconstruction of the Bible, like really getting in there with, with your pastor at the time when you were doing ministry. Um, and really, the entire Bible is God's redemption story to us. That's yeah. that's the whole story of how, is how much he loves us and how much he's trying to bring us back to him. Um, and I love how your story you were given the opportunity where so many others are not given that opportunity where you by God were chosen, had, had mercy and grace put upon you to be able to walk away from that and have your whole life transformed where you have a beautiful family, where you have an awesome wife, where now you're helping other people become free from things that they never thought they could be free from. And yeah. that's exactly what happens when you let, when you let go and you let God <laughs> yeah. your life, when you let him just kind of take over. So yeah. man, um, it's been, I think it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Like you're so real and you're so awesome. And I love that because I'm the same way. We have so much in common. Um, we really do. <laughs> yeah. But um, so how can people, um, what is a resource you can give to someone who right now is struggling with um, pornography? I mean, I, I would, I would send people to fight the new drug. I'm going to fight the new drug and download that Fortify app for sure. Just because like you said, the resources, the resources are free and there's no reason not to do it. But I mean, to, to be free from anything that you don't want to consume, right? Whether it's a, a food addiction, a porn addiction, whatever it is, you need three things. You need truth, you need boundaries, and you need accountability. And all three of those things are provided um, there. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely there's a psychological, like very physical um, approach. And then there's like the spiritual and some of us, we have that spiritual, like we're already there with the Lord. He's breaking down, doing barriers, you know, community, yeah. church, all those types of spiritual things. But then there is yeah. that whole level of like physical, um, and yeah. the new drug is very like psychological and it will help yeah. pin down things if you're struggling in that area and yeah. then when you connect the two the god yeah. and that it's like you know it's like yeah. freedom, freedom yeah i think i think john i think john 1930 is a verse that i read often and i have to let it sink in when when jesus says it is finished as a christian it's really easy for you to believe i messed up so i need to start over yeah no it Jesus said, I, I died. I died. I defeated hell, death, sin, and the grave so that you could be free. 
but our perception of who he is and who we are is often augmented because we believe the lie that our sin, all of a sudden, it wrecks everything. But the mm-hmm. truth is the grace of God covers us. So it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. You have to just remember that when I screw up, get your butt off the ground, dust yourself off and keep moving forward because you've already made it so far. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I had to learn in my journey is when, because obviously I brought a ton of emotional and mental damage that I needed to heal from. I needed counseling from, I needed trusted relationships. Um, I needed to learn how to trust. I needed to learn how to love. And it was a process. And I think more often than not, when we start making progress, we believe because we mess up, we need to start over. And in reality, it is finished. So I need to get up and keep moving forward. Yeah, it's totally completed in the Lord. Oh man, we're like right here, like with each other, like totally. That's exactly like such a huge part of of finding freedom from the pornography is understanding that exact thing that when you mess up, you don't really mess up because it's completely done in Jesus. And then that beautiful, perfect love, um, that thing that frees us from the law, from the things that would have kept us from God, um, no longer do. And when you realize it doesn't and you do far, you're struggling with that addiction. um, You're like, oh, man, Jesus loves me all the same. It's like I didn't. You know, it's like we pick ourselves up and it's like I can still enter into the throne room and the glory of God completely the same. And when you realize that it's like, bam freedom you're like you're free from those sins because you're like nothing can keep me from god but anyway so thank you so much joshua for coming on the podcast i think you'll have to stop me because i'll just keep talking (laughs) (laughs) i love it man same same for me i like i'd like have to have you i always i have guests on i'm like i gotta have them on again you're one of those um but thank you for stopping by and and for checking on being on Christian progress. For those of you who are listening, enjoyed the podcast. Thank you um, for listening. And um, we loved having you on. Also, um, give this video, share it to your friends, like it, comment it. It always helps us. Um, and go check out Fight the New Drug. Go check out Joshua. I'll link all his things down below in the description so you can find him on Instagram, TikTok, wherever he's at. Um, and thank you guys for joining us. Have an awesome, beautiful day. Peace out.